Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. Welcome to the Commercial Property Podcast, our very first episode. My name's Jerry Alexander and I'm joined today by Callum, my very good friend of mine who's going to be helping us go through this process. We're going to be discussing why commercial property investment is such a good investment vehicle and why you should be considering it as a strategy to add to your portfolio. And we'll be chatting a little bit about why we're actually, or I'm actually doing this podcast. What's it all about? So before we get into that, let me just ask Callum to introduce himself. Thank you, Jerry. So my name is Callum with the key. And for the last seven years, we've run Acorn Enterprise together, which is a training activity provider for university and college students. But enough about me, we're here to talk about you. So how and when did you first get into property investment? So back in 1996, when you were a wee laddie, <laughs> if that, <laughs> I actually came across Robert Kiyosaki, who wrote a book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and produced... Uh, developed a game called Cashflow, Cashflow 101. I actually heard it on a cassette tape. Gee was such a long time ago. But he first introduced the idea that you need to invest money to make money or get money to work hard for you rather than working hard for money. So one of the investments that he's very keen on is property. So that was my introduction to property. And it actually took me a little bit of time for us to save money um, to do up a property we were in to actually get to a stage where we could buy a second property, an investment property, if you will. And that actually happened in 2000. So it took a few years just to get ourselves going. We're not the fastest um, at starting, but nevertheless, we did get started then. We bought a few um, residential properties, which we built up a portfolio and a cash flow. And like most people, we were investing for cash flow. It wasn't the best cash flowing um, portfolio, but nevertheless, the idea was to try and get to a point where I didn't have to have a job, my wife didn't have to have a job, and we could work for ourselves. In about two, three years into that process, I, I started to think, especially when playing cash flow and playing monopoly and all these things, how I've got these greenhouses, but how do I find one of these red hotels? And I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know where I was going to find it, but I knew I wanted to. And I thought, I, how do I get that scale? Eventually, kind of long story short, we ended up buying a commercial property not too far away from where we lived. It had about 28 separate units within it. Now, we still own that property 15 years later, but now it has about 35 units. In fact, we've just subdivided a, a unit recently. It's fully let, which is, which is fantastic. It's still cash flowing well. And that was kind of our, that was our process of going from resi into commercial. And that's when and how we got started. Nice one. And that was your first Red Hotel. And now we get to hear about um, the other hotels and where you are now. Yeah, okay. So figuratively speaking, yeah, we have gathered one or two other hotels. 
Um, our niche really now, we have niched, and that is commercial multiple occupancy. So that first project, which took me ages to find, I didn't know what it was going to look like or what it was going to be. It ended up being a multi-let building. And we've really focused on that. It's a great model. And for us, it, it really has been something that's been very advantageous. And now we have a portfolio of commercial multi-let over the east coast of Scotland. We have some buildings that have 10 clients in them, 10 businesses. And we have some buildings like the one we're in right now that has um, capacity for up to 55 different businesses. Some people take two rooms, three rooms, so we end up maybe having about, I think we've maybe got about 40, 45 customers on site where we are just now. Uh, we have invested in other residential, we have invested in other commercial, but we've pretty much sold all of that now, and we just focus on multi-let. And we actually just buy and hold. Now, don't get me wrong, we do a lot to them and we add value, but we, we don't resell. Our strategy is to continue adding to our portfolio, but maybe maybe we'll go into that later on. So that's really our niche now, and that's where we're at. We're hoping to buy a new one very soon. And there you go. That's a very good answer. Thank you. Um, I guess it'd be good to ask, though, what is so good about commercial? Yes, why should people be considering it? It's, yeah. a, it's a good yeah. question, and it's something I get asked a lot. And one of the things I want to get across in this podcast is we're not here to tell um, people how to invest in 100 million pound office developments and things we're just talking about people that want to move from residential into commercial investment they want to diversify their portfolio and some of the key things that I think people at that stage need to understand is that the return your return on investment in commercial tends to be higher not always it depends on what you're investing for and your risk appetite but you can get good return on, on return on investment, i.e. cash flow in commercial. It does tend to be a model that you buy and hold, um, but not always. And we're not talking about development here per se. It's about buying commercial assets, redeveloping them in some format, and keeping them for the cash flow. But at least that's the model that we do. I think one of the great advantages of this market is that it's as clear as mud. It's really difficult to navigate. And, and I part of the reason why it took us so long to find that first red hotel is because trying to get into this commercial market was just a joke. I remember going to one agent um, who was helping me with residential, talking to his colleague who did commercial, and he said to me, <clears throat> Jerry, I think you should just stick with that residential thing because all the commercial properties around here get bought by three people, and if they come on the market, there's no point in you getting involved. I said, oh, great, thank you very much. <laughs> So actually, the fact that the market is clear as mud is a great advantage. It, it means there's less competition, buildings get left, you phone up an agent, I don't know if any of the listeners have had this, but you phone up an agent about a building, they don't return your calls, eventually you maybe get through a secretary says, oh, we sold that three years ago, well, why didn't you tell me that two weeks ago? They've still got a to-let sign up and the building's been um, occupied for three years. There's nobody in a building. You don't know what's for sale. You don't know what's going on. You try and find out the owner. It's difficult. It's not easy to navigate. And there always seems to be people who are very willing to say no. But of course, I think that's a great opportunity. It, it means that it's not clear. It means that there's opportunity for people who are willing and persistent to find good deals. So that's the, clear as mar the market is clear as mud advantage. I, I, some of the other things, which I have covered in other um, 
videos and things, tax advantages, some great tax advantages in commercial. And a lot of the tax advantages are being taken away from residential. And of course, there are additional costs to entry now in residential. You have to get, uh, you have to pay additional home supplement. You have to um, consider that your interest payments are going to be taxed. It's, it's really becoming more difficult in residential. Commercial, a lot of those tax advantages are still there, and there are, there are some additional ones, which we'll go into on, on future podcasts. But it, it's a great area. It's, it's, uh, it's something you need professionals to help you with. But just, I guess, for the purposes of this podcast, there are great tax advantages you need to, you need to look into. I think the other thing that really helped me was uh, after adding two or three um, resi to the portfolio every year, you think, well, how, how do I get scale here? Because every time you add a, port, uh, a property portfolio, it's another site, it's another location, it's another roof, another boiler, etc. Whereas with, certainly with our model, but with some of the larger commercial stuff, you can add one property, but maybe five customers, 10 customers, 15 customers. They're all under the same roof. They're all in the same location. So you're, you're gaining economies of scale, which means that your team can work more efficiently, you can work more efficiently, and you have less um, <coughs> geographical area to cover because you're centering a lot of the, the offering in one or two locations. The, I guess the last one is just the leverage aspect. Commercial, um, the, the, the brilliant thing about commercial is that the value is so much determined by the rent. So if you um, consider residential, you maybe buy a house that's maybe terraced, as an example, and you might add an attic room, you might add something out the back. Calum, um, you might add an extra bedroom or something. But ultimately, that property's value is going to be determined on market factors. How much did the one sell for next door? How much did the three-bedroom one sell for down the road? It doesn't matter whether you've gold-plated all the taps and painted everything with some beautiful, beautiful faro and ball. At the end of the day, the market determines what the value of that property is, not necessarily the rent. And you can't really influence the market too much. However, in commercial, almost all of the value is in the rent. There are other factors like who is in the property, where is the property, how long is the lease for, these sorts of things. But the rent is the most significant part. And of course, you could have an industrial unit, as an example, right next to another industrial unit. You buy one of them, you repurpose it, you increase the rent, and it will be worth more than the one next door, even though they're exactly the same size of building on the same plot, because it's about the rent, and you can affect that. So one of the really exciting things about commercial is you can be creative and add value, which will allow you to leverage for future properties. So those are some of the advantages that, that I've certainly come across. There's many other ones, of course. So a whole host of advantages, and it sounds like a whole host of opportunities as well. Uh, I want to change gears a little bit, Jerry. Uh, tell me more about the building we're in right now and how this deal came about. And I, and I should add, there are two very um, important reasons I'm asking this question. One is, it's where you and I first met, is this building. And the second reason is, 
I used to take my driving license in your car park. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the skid marks are. <laughs> so, does, so does my son, <laughs> his grandfather. Um, yeah, great, great, great question. Yeah, so we're in a building that we purchased in 2009. Uh, it was actually our second multiple occupancy building. It took us about, I think it was about 18 months to buy it. Uh, half of it was in a, in a condition that could be let. There were actually only five customers in it. It was very um, poorly run. And the other half we had to refurbish. So when we took it over, we developed or at least tidied up the area that was already usable and got to work getting new customers. And, and we were quite successful at that. We managed to fill that section of the building. And then over a period of two or three years, we refurbished and redeveloped the other half of the building. And just to give a, a bit of context on the, on the building, it's, it, its gross area is 21,000 square feet. The net lettable is about, it's about 16,000 square feet. It might be 18, I can't remember now. But anyway, it's actually 18,000 square feet net lettable, which means basically if somebody's renting an office, uh, light um, work studio or something, the square footage of that space, all of those spaces combined is about 17,000 square feet, 18,000 square feet, sorry. There's about 55 units here. Um, there were one or two less when we bought, but we have subdivided some. Uh, one of the things we try to do is, is make our spaces work for customers. Sometimes we increase sizes, sometimes we decrease sizes. It's been a really good building to us. We've had some container storage on site for at least um, eight or nine years as well. The, the building came with a bit of land, which gave us opportunity to, to add value there. And because the building was fairly well and fairly unoccupied and fairly underdeveloped, it gave us the opportunity to come in, make it work better, make it work better cash flow wise. And then through that increase in rent, we did, which I just discussed. We managed to increase the value, borrowed against that for the next building. So it's been a great building for us. Um, it still is a great building for us. It's quite a reasonable size. Um, it, and it was something that we bought during the recession, effectively, in 2009. So we were lucky we could get the finance for it. But because all that noise was going on at the time, it gave us the opportunity to do it up to get ready for the next building, which came along uh, a few years later. Great stuff, really exciting, and good to hear a bit more about where we are. Uh, again, changing tack, if I may, for a little bit, uh, the podcast itself, you and I have spoken about it for, for a year or two, perhaps. So I want to ask you, why now? And what do you want to achieve by doing it? Okay, so yes it's been at least two or three years in my yep. head at least we've been discussing it and making all the excuses you can about why we're not doing podcasts um i've run out of excuses <laughs> I, I i've been motivated by it because of the amount of people that have been asking me um, questions about commercial questions about how to deal with clients how to find clients all the different things relating to commercial and i've been doing some blogs and various things on online and there's definitely an appetite for it so i thought okay actually how do i how as they say is it one to one or is it one to many and this way i can maybe get some content out there that's going to help people move from residential into commercial investment and i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with residential it's just that developing the portfolio to hold other asset types will 
help mitigate any potential bumps in the road as we move on. And if people are after cash flow, which is definitely one of the things we were after, it's a, it's a great market to be in. So I've, I've been asked to do it. Um, I've also wanted to explore this eventually as being another income stream for us, as in there's a lot of information in my head I've gathered over the last 15 years in commercial. I know that it does help, and I've had people come and, you know, for me, simple things can end up saving thousands of pounds. So I just thought, right, okay, I'm going to diversify. Our team and our building portfolio has got to a size where I don't need to be there all the time, and it's something I'd like to explore. So that's, those, those are the kind of reasons I'm doing it. Um, I, think, I think the fact that this industry is so opaque and difficult to get into or at least it appears to first-time investors that it is, that it just needs, just needs somebody to be able to say, you know, stop taking the bullshit. Stop taking people telling you, no, you can't do things. And actually, just arming yourself with the knowledge and understanding of how this market works. And you can enjoy it too. Cool. Uh, thank you very much. I'm going to drill down a little bit more what you just said there. What can people expect? Who is this for? And I guess maybe just as important as who, who is this not for? We are not going to be talking about £100 million developments on this, at least not yet, because I haven't done it. <laughs> I've done some. Uh, our, I mean, our portfolio is certainly now multi-million pound portfolio, and our, and our current project is well over a million pound investment. But I really want to provide information that's going to help people that want to move from resi to commercial or perhaps the person who has a traditional business but is looking at commercial either for their SaaS, for their pension, or for their, their, current, pro, their current business is occupying a space that they don't own and they would like to consider how to do that. There's not a lot of information out there on how to make that step change. I have developed a really a strong niche and there will be content about our niche for sure. But it's kind of, there's two sides to it. Really. There's one, how do you get started in commercial? How do you get enough knowledge to be able to take, have the confidence to take those first steps? But equally, as you develop your portfolio, what niches, what areas can you grow into? So part of it will be about the general stuff. Part of it's going to be about more about niche. But as I say, or in answer to your question, about what is it not going to be? It's not going to be for all the professionals who are just doing 20 million pound deals and don't give a toss about you know, a small high street shop or a project that's in their local community because it's not uh, big enough for them or interesting enough for them. This is for people who are genuinely investing their own money or indeed their friends and colleagues' money if they're uh, bringing in joint investors and want to make it work and they don't want to mess it up. So that's really the area that this podcast is going to be directed at. I, I don't know it all, that's for sure. Every day is a school day. and. Those areas that we haven't gone into as much, I don't want to shy away from those areas, but I'm not going to pretend I know all the answers. So I will be bringing in people to talk about, for instance, SaaS, maybe talk about investing in the high street, maybe different strategy than us. We tend to buy and hold. Some people like to develop and flip, and that's okay. We will cover these topics, but I won't be covering all these things myself. There will be uh, people who have, have expertise in those areas will come in and help. So I hope that answers the question, at least for the moment. Yeah, that was actually a really good answer. Very comprehensive, sir. So thank you very much. Uh, however, I feel like we've been far too nice to each other so far. Let's get into the more uh, nasty and probing questions, if we can. Okay. <laughs> Deep breath. 
Uh, are you working on any new acquisitions right now? And can you give us any details on those? Okay, yeah, so that's not too nasty. <laughs> I'm uh, warming up. <laughs> it's, uh, warming up, yeah. So I, I um, because our, our deal's quite large, we tend to do them um, maybe about once every 18 months, two years. I'm trying to get that frequency down, but the process just takes a long time. And interestingly, I've had a few people recently talking to me about maybe uh, mentorship and wondering when's the right time to get started. And they're, I'm not sure I want to buy a commercial right now. I'm, I'm, I want to do it soon, but not right now. And of course, I have to remember and remind them that deals take nine months. They don't just happen overnight. And you have to find them. Then you have to go through all the whole process of negotiation and lawyers and bankers and surveyors and blah, blah, blah. It takes time. So really, you need to start early. And our current deal right now, this one's taken... It's probably the simplest deal I've done, and it's still taking 12 months. Now, of course, some listeners will be thinking, well, that's your problem. <laughs> and maybe it is. And sometimes that's because there's other things going on, of course. But ultimately, this next acquisition um, that we are hoping will be signed off um, either later today or Monday, and we should be getting the, I guess, the completion next Wednesday, is on a... Large, a reasonably large commercial property. It's it's just under ten thousand square feet, which is kind of our 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 minimum size now. Um, but it also has some ground with it, which has container storage, and we've been doing container storage. Uh, I mentioned earlier, we've been doing it for maybe eight nine years, ten years, at least seriously. Uh, we did have some right back in two thousand and four when we bought our first building, but. It's only in the last sort of nine or ten years we've really sort of up the ante, and this this is an acquisition that is going to help give us another um, location, and it's also going to help us use our economies of scale. The fact that we have staff members already dealing with these things to cut down on costs that the current owner has to allow us to um, perhaps increase the cash flow coming from those those containers. The, interestingly, the building is leased, which is not something we normally buy. A building that's leased. But the lease is a number of years to go. We know the client well. We know the building very well. Um, it's a good fit for us. And it's one of those deals that's come to us off market, which is always exciting. So that, that's our next one. So don't tell anybody yet. <laughs> next Wednesday. It's between you, me, and everyone else that's listening. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah you, asked, you asked earlier on your who's this for. I mean, one of the things that I think is important is this, this podcast is not for everyone. That's for sure. And it's not something that is going to be um, for every property investor, but it's a bit like a buffet, you know? Sure. Come along, take what is going to work for you. You can discard the rest. There's no problem. Okay. I'm, and I'm really hungry, so yeah. <laughs> that's a great metaphor as well. Yeah. Um, Let's get done. Yeah. S speaking of buffets, this is my really tenuous link to the next question. There yeah. isn't, there isn't a link there at all, so I'm going to have to just ask you. Um, there are quite a few gurus out there already, especially in the property space. What makes you different and why should folk come and eat at your buffet? We got there. We got there. It is a good question, yeah. And, and it's becoming more and more... Um, it's a question being asked more and more. There's more and more content out there. And of course, let's face it, technology is allowing more people to put content out there. So yes, there are more uh, visible there's just more opportunity for people to be able to actually share their experiences. Of course, the trick is 
working out those who have experiences that are worth listening to. Uh, from my own point of view, I've been in the industry for 20 years. I've been doing commercial for 15 years. We've made some mistakes. We've made some successes. We've survived a couple of pretty tough commercial periods um, through that time. We have niched now. Um, we have some really, some really good products and some really good, um, I guess, strategies on how to work in commercial. But I have got, I have experience in a few other areas within commercial, and, and it's worth saying that it is a truly massive, massive market. You're, you're not just talking about high street shops, which we have had. We're not just talking about warehousing, which we do have. We're not just talking about offices, which we do have, but we're also talking about retail, leisure, nursing homes, hotels, gyms, studios, workspaces, co-work spaces, bars. Commercial is a huge area, and I think a lot of people struggle with working out what actually is going to work for them. And some don't even get involved because they think all they can do is a high street shop, and it's just not true. There are so many other avenues to, to, to follow. But in terms of gurus, there aren't so many in commercial. There are a few people talking about commercial, but as I said back at the beginning, this market's quite opaque. It's quite difficult to navigate. I really want to be able to give some detail for people that want to make that transition from resi to commercial that are at a level that we were at. And they've maybe got some commercial, maybe by default. They maybe they have a business that has one, but they haven't really developed a strategy. That's really where we want to add value is to help people make that transition, develop a strategy, build into a niche, and work on long-term goals. And Carolyn, you and I, we've been, we run our own business together too, don't we? We have another yes. business that's yeah. not related to this. But one of the things that I really like to use and talk about is goal setting. And commercial and property is a great business to use for goal setting because it's quite binary. You just add stuff. And adding stuff allows you to calculate what you want or to break down longer-term goals. And I just think commercial is such a great vehicle to allow you to fix your mind on a future goal, maybe five years away, break it down into yearly goals and monthly goals and acquisitions and projects that you can do to get to where you want to go. And one of the really important things is working out a criteria in your acquisitions or, or the type of acquisitions you're making so that you know that this acquisition will work towards your goal. Not just picking something up because it looks like a good deal or because it's something that somebody said was a good deal, but actually working out, is this one going to help me get to where I want to go? And we're really lucky in property because, as I say, it's a little bit more simple in terms of adding assets and adding um, income through acquiring assets and, and, and making them work better, which allows you to focus on longer-term goals. So that's one of the things that I think I bring to the table. Um, and I, and I, I'm really passionate about goal-setting and, and making sure that you are doing what you want to do and, where, and getting where you want to go, rather than just the sawn-off shotgun approach in a room with the light off and just fire away and hope you're going to hit something. It's so important to have a long-term view of what you're trying to get to. And that really helps you work out your your investment criteria, really, um, and work on what 
type of projects are going to work for you. And you also said in your answer um, that you and I have got Acorn together, Acorn Enterprise together, and we've discussed a little bit of the commercial stuff that you do, and I've now learned that you organize buffets, which I didn't know until today, so that's, that's good to know. What other um, business interests do you have? Okay, so there, there are a few things over the years that I've um, been involved in, picked up, still have. One of the first businesses from 2001 was the one I kind of did as my day job, which was um, a business called Interlock. We import roofing products, we package them up into our own branded um, products, and we sell those to roofing contractors, homeowners, property owners. And that business is still going, and, and, and it's a great business. It doesn't turn over loads. It turns over a reasonable amount. Um, it's relatively simple to run, and it's it's something that kept me going as an income source while I was developing my portfolio. 2009 is when I actually went, right, I'm gonna, I really need to get focused on this because this is a great, the opportunity cost was becoming too much. So 2009 was when I really focused in on commercial. But that other business is still going. And we also have a restaurant um, in one of our buildings. That was something I developed with another good friend of mine in a building where I just thought, this, this is just crying out for, for food and bev. Um, he's moved on to other projects. We're still very good friends. I bought him out of that business to allow us to try and amalgamate food and beverage into some more of our buildings. And, and our current project in, in Dundee, we're hoping to add in some food and beverage shortly. So it's another business, and it is slightly out there, but 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 I do believe it's something that is really needs to become core of what we do. We really want to try and I want to take our business more towards hospitality, and I don't mean that in a sort of sense of you know we're going to have um, bars and nightclubs and doing lots of events. I just mean in terms of how you treat customers, the type of building that they're in has more of an experience rather than just an office or a warehouse. There's, there's more to do with food and beverage. There's more to do with networking. There's more social aspect. And I think our industry is slowly moving that way. I think it's something that we should all be paying attention to because everything is becoming more about experiential, I think if that's the right word. Um, so that's really what, what, we're, what I think we would like to try and get to. In terms of other businesses, uh, there's been other bits and pieces, but I guess those are the main things that, that I'm focusing on right on right now. Great. Another comprehensive answer. Uh, so thank you for that. Uh, I guess another question I'd like to ask is, um, what is it you enjoy most about commercial property? It, it would be a remiss of me not to say the cash flow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The return on investment is good. That, that, at the end of the day, that was the whole reason for doing this so that our family would have um, some ultimately passive income. I'm still involved in the business, um, not so much on a day-to-day -day basis, but cash flow is one of the key things. But the other thing I learned about commercial was it's actually can be quite creative. In fact, it's kind of a prerequisite, really, because if you're trying to build a portfolio that's going to allow you to, do, to leverage and to increase your equity stake, then you need to be able to do something with the rent, which I mentioned earlier on. Rent is so, 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 so important. And when you're taking on a property, particularly if it doesn't have much income and it's got a vacant space, it, it just, it's great. It's a blank canvas. You've got to go in there and work out, how do I make this commercial, sometimes forgotten building, make money? 
Because ultimately, if it's not going to make money, there's not much point in doing it. And one of the projects we took on was a former council property owned by the local um, council. It was uh, um, a mortuary, the local court, a prison. There was various functions um, going on in this building that were for sort of kind of local community regional building. And they were really struggling with what do we do with this building? Because they weren't, it wasn't used as a prison, it hadn't been for a hundred years. They were still using it as a court up until about 1980 or something, but even still, they weren't really sure what to use this building for. And there was a lot of maintenance and things that needed dealt with. And when it came on the market, it sat for a while and nobody quite knew what to do with it. And in the end, I'd, I'd worked out a plan and a strategy. But the most important thing was for that building to survive and to move on, it's 200 years old, for that building to survive and for us to be custodians, to not destroy it, to make it so that it worked, it had to be commercially viable. And that's where the creativity comes in. How, how do you make some of these forgotten buildings work better? How do you make them cash flow better? And if you are buying a building that has got income and it's maybe not quite as old, how do you increase that income? How do you add more incomes? How do you change perhaps the use, change the type of client that's in there, or indeed just add clients? But at the end of the day, the more you affect the rent, the more the value goes up, which of course is satisfying for many reasons, but it is a creative thing. And, and that is one of the bits I really like, looking around new projects, working out what can we do with this building? How can we create more value here? Those are some of the bits that I really like. I've always liked doing up or the thought of doing up old properties. And the last two projects have been listed buildings. And, and that's added another dimension. And that, on a personal basis, is something I wanted to do for ages. I've always wanted to do up a castle. That was kind of my goal for forever. I've not done that yet. But these buildings are certainly um, certainly a, a step on that in that direction <laughs> because there's so many interesting things that you get and so many interesting features in some of these old these old properties. I mean, the one that's a jail, um, there's six cells in that building. Some of them are now offices. Some of them are storage. One of them is the pizza. You know, uh, and these are just really quirky things that you can do with these old buildings. But we are custodians. You have to try and do it in a sensitive way so that when it's no longer yours and it moves on and the next generation have it, you haven't destroyed it. You have to make sure that you preserve as much as you can. But you have to make it commercially viable. So that it, it, it's great fun. Well, it's great to hear more about um, the motivations and the passion behind what you do. So, so thanks for sharing that. And I, I guess my last question is uh, to round off the whole of the, the first podcast here is, what are you going to be covering in the next few weeks? Okay. So I, as I mentioned there earlier on, I, it, it's key that I talk about things that I have a good knowledge on and I bring in experts for those areas that we all need to learn about. And one of those would be SAS. Um, some of those things uh, people ask a lot are about funding. People ask about um, various things that I've experience of but maybe their particular area is more in-depth than I've dealt with. So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the expert in everything commercial. There are people out there who are in their particular niche. So the topics that I get asked a lot about are how do I fund a building? How do I find a flipping building? How do I cut through all the 
noise and actually get a deal that makes sense? How do I redesign a building? How do I um, actually get private investors into buildings or, or into um, deals, which, which we have done? How do we get finance through non-traditional routes? How do I just get a building to put my own business into? How do I deal with all the legal stuff? Or should I say the acquisition stuff? Because there's not just the lawyers, there's tax implications, there's timing issues, there's surveys, there's institutions who are lending money to you want their own surveys, there's asbestos reports, there's just loads and loads of technical stuff that we will go into in future podcasts. And, and all these headings that I've discussed are all things that we will do. But if anyone, of course, has any questions or things they would like us to discuss or burning questions, then you can find us on commercialpropertyinvestor.co.uk and you'll find us on Facebook and you can find myself on LinkedIn. It's Jerry Alexander. If you have a look on LinkedIn, you should be able to find me. And just feel free to pop those questions in there. I'll try and put them on a podcast or indeed on a video. Again, I, I prefer to do one-to-many rather than one-to-one. It's much better use of time. But equally, by um, being on masterminds and stuff, I know that somebody else asking a question, it may not be something you were going to ask, but it's just because you hadn't really thought through where you were at, certainly for me. And, and actually, the, the answer to that question solves a lot of the problems that I have, and I would have never have thought to ask it. So people asking questions and then allowing me or, or indeed um, industry colleagues to be able to answer that on the podcast would be, would be fantastic. Have you got anything else you would like to ask, Cam? I have no further questions, Your Honour. <laughs> I think that that's, that's me out of questions, Jerry. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for um, joining me, Callum, and helping tease some of that out. And also thank you to you, the listener. I hope that you have got value from this. We've tried to both introduce what um, we're going to be discussing on the podcast, but also give you some content, hopefully some inspiration. You're not alone. There are lots of other people out there who would like to get into commercial. It's a fantastic market. It's something that I would like to share more. I hope you join us for future podcasts. So thank you very much for your time. We'll speak to you again.